The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Paul and Timothy, Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at the Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with, all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we take a moment where we pause, Lord, um, in the past week. Holy Spirit, help us to be still at this moment to recognize who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, and what you're going to offer uh, through your words, Lord, uh, through what Randall is going to share with us. I pray, Lord, that you'll clear our hearts and clear our minds, Lord. Protect it from any lies that can come in that will hinder us or stop us from receiving you and receiving your love and what you're teaching us today, Lord. Be with all of us here today, and we thank you for this wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, good morning, church. It's good to be back. Last week I was out of town. Um, and uh, Larry Acosta came and, and preached, and so he was sharing uh, about uh, just the, the things that are happening in city to city and uh, excited for what God is doing, uh, planting more churches. You know, that's really the heart of, of who we are as a church. Uh, we started in 2015. So if you're new, um, I'm Pastor uh, Randall, and uh, yeah, just glad that you're here this morning. Um, we are going through this summer the book of Philippians. Um, and so Philippians is a great book to think about when we think about uh, church planting because the Philippian church was planted by the Apostle Paul. And so we're going to look at that today and uh, just his heart for that church in particular. Um, but before we do that, I do want to share a little bit about what my wife shared about uh, the 4th of July celebration. This is uh, really a part of our vision as a church. We want to be a church for our city uh, that seeks new life in Jesus. We don't want to be just a church that comes and gathers on a Sunday morning, but make a difference in the community. And so uh, one of the, the opportunities that I've had for uh, the past four or five years in particular is to be uh, the chair for this committee. Um, and it's a volunteer committee of people that are in our neighborhood, it's neighbors coming together, putting on this uh, event uh, that we hope will be a blessing to the people in the community. So this has been happening for uh, 30, 30 plus years, uh, so long before Grace City was here. Uh, but one of the things that we, we really feel is a part of our heart is not to come in and just start a bunch of things, uh, but see what's already happening in the community, how we can serve. 
so putting on uh, this event has been a big part of serving the community. And one of the areas that's been a gap this year is that they usually have a breakfast that's put on, uh, but nobody's stepping up to do this breakfast. And so community members are, are starting to gather together and they're like, hey, could your church help out with putting on this event, uh, this breakfast for the community? So we just thought this is an awesome way to serve our neighbors and putting on this, this event. So we're going to sponsor, be one of the sponsors, and uh, be able to serve our community in that way. So if you're around, uh, July 4th, uh, we'd love for you to come and serve at the breakfast. We're also, they've got a 5K going on. So we got some runners in here. You're like, eh, no, not so many runners at Grace City. Got you, okay. Uh, they have like a fun run for the kids. Okay, we could do that too. Um, but that's what's happening this summer, and um, I'm excited about that. And then also, I'm, I'm really excited about this in uh, 2023, next year, uh, March 2023, uh, we're going to give you some more information, but we're going to be taking a trip to Israel. Yes, an Israel trip, uh, 2023, March, so... Get that in the back of your mind right now. We're going to be giving you more details on that. But it, I've never been before. And so I'm excited about this trip uh, to go and, and walk where Jesus walked, right? So uh, next uh, year, we're going to be doing that. And I'll be giving you more information on that uh, soon. But that's exciting, right? Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so we're going to be jumping in uh, to the book of Philippians. We're going to be going through the whole book this summer. Uh, but we're also going to be doing this book along with uh, the discipleship uh, study that's happening in the different groups that are, are going to be meeting up. So uh, we just want to encourage you to go through the book of Philippians. And here's my prayer, uh, that as you read through the book of Philippians, there are going to be some scriptures that are going to stick out to you that maybe God is going to speak through you or speak to you on and you're going to maybe commit that to memory, right? And, and so there's plenty of, of different scriptures in Philippians that I think are just those type of scriptures that you just want to commit to memory and just have that there ready uh, in your life. And so today we're going to be going through Philippians 1, 1 through 11. And our message is a thankful heart. A thankful heart heart. Uh, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? As I was out of town last week, I got to go to my grandmother's 90th birthday party. 90 years. Uh, she born and raised in Hawaii and just an amazing woman of God. I remember as a child uh, seeing her on her knees uh, in her room next to her bed, praying. And I say, Grandma, what are you doing? She says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your brothers. I'm praying for your family. I'm praying for uh, our friends. And so this is my grandmother here, her 90th birthday. And there, there are so many things to be thankful for as I look at my grandmother and just spend that time with her. But also, the, the, the heritage and the lineage of, of family. There were about 170 people there at this, this birthday party. And most of them were my family. And most of them were family that I've never met in my life. And so my grandma's like, that's your cousin, that's your cousin, that's your cousin. My cousin, my first cousin, uh, was coming in and hanging out at the front as we were checking people in. 
And he looks and he sees somebody that he knew from high school. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? So I'm here for uh, Auntie's uh, birthday. That's my grandma. They've hung out at each other's houses. <laughs> they were friends like friends, right, in high school. And they didn't even know that they were related. And I'm looking around this room, and I, I'm just filled with this gratefulness in my heart for God blessing me with my grandmother and these 90 years of life. And, and the fact that if it wasn't for her having this birthday party, I wouldn't know most of my relatives in that room. There was a connectedness that we had. But there's, you know, there, there's, in, in Hawaiian, we say the ohana, Right? You have the ohana, the, the family, but also there was a, there's a spiritual ohana. Because as I was out there, I got to see a couple of families that have come through Grace City. Uh, one of those being a, a lady named Joyce. And so Joyce let us stay at her home, and it was just this, this amazing time with Joyce. And seeing her now living in Hawaii, but connected to a local church, thriving in her faith in Jesus, it's an amazing thing for me to, to see, right? Because Grace City isn't just here, but God has sent people all over to be with uh, Faith and Tommy, who some, most of you probably know, like Faith and Tommy, that came through our church. And I remember praying with them as they were praying for a second child, and them just saying, God, like, please, we, we want this second child. And, and they were moving to Hawaii. And then now being able to go over there, spend time with them, and see Tommy Jr. But it just filled me with so much gratefulness and thankfulness to God. Because I was able to spend time with my my blood relatives, but also seeing my spiritual family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And just remembering that being thankful is not about just being thankful about what is coming in the future or what could happen in the future, but just what God is doing right now. And so as we study this book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul is going to emphasize some important aspects about the Christian life. And what he's going to emphasize is how important the gospel is. The gospel, that word is mentioned more in this letter than any other letter that Paul writes. But he also touches on God's sovereignty, his saving work. He talks about friendship in here. He talks about generosity to others. He talks about God's kingdom and that ultimately our, our home is not here but in heaven. See, it's not just focused on the future. It's focused on what God is doing right now. And Paul reminds us that our joy in life is not found in our current circumstances, but in growing in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And so let me ask again, what are you thankful for? Our text is Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Just to give some context here, Paul is writing uh, to the Philippian church 10 years after he's planted this church. 10 years later, 
At this point, they have uh, elders or overseers and deacons that are there leading the charge. We find that this church was planted in Acts 16, 6 through 40. And so we studied the book of Acts not too long ago. But we were, we were able to see as the Philippian church starts and what that looks like. And we'll dive more into that today and how that connects. But as Paul thinks about the church in Philippi, what is he thankful for? What's he thankful for? And so number one, he's, he's thankful for divine intervention. Number two, it's grace. It's pursuing grace. And number three, it's knowing Jesus. Divine intervention, pursuing grace, knowing Jesus. And so the first one is divine intervention. Let's look at verses three through five. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. First, let's ask, how did Paul get to Philippi? Right, we know that he planted the church, but how did he get there? Well, as we look at uh, Philippians or, or, or uh, Acts 16, we remember that he wasn't planning on going to Philippi. That was not a part of his plan. One commentator, Tony Morita, says, we should recognize that God in his providence often directs our path by shutting doors. Paul was prohibited from ministering in Asia and Bithynia. He says, if you read missionary biographies, it's surprising how some of the most influential ones wanted to go somewhere other than where they ended up serving. So your task is to faithfully carry out the work that God gives you day by day and to be ready and willing to change direction as the Holy Spirit leads. See, what do we see in Acts 16? Is that God took Paul and his missionary group in a completely different direction than where they thought they were supposed to go. See, how many times do we have these plans and these dreams of what we think we're supposed to do? But then how do we deal with the doors when they start to shut? Frustration, anger, God, you don't know what's happening down here. You don't know what's going on. This is, I need this. See, as Paul is looking back, thinking about this Philippian church, he's remembering that he would not have known these people if it wasn't for God's divine intervention. If God didn't shut the door and say, you're going over here instead of over there. See, he knows and believes that their relationship, the relationship that he has with the Philippians, is only because of God. How many of you have those moments where you start to think back on people in your life that you think, okay, I would have never known this person if it wasn't for this thing that happened and that thing that happened and this shut door and then I'm at this school that I wasn't planning on being at? Right, God is at work. There's divine interventions that happen in our lives and we're not expecting them, but God does that because he knows much more than we do. Like I said, he talks about in this book about God's sovereignty. God has a plan. 
C.S. Lewis once said, in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there's strictly speaking no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly to say to every group of friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Right? What's happening behind the curtain? What's happening in your life that you can't see, that you think, man, this, could, this feels like the worst moment because this door is shutting. It could be the greatest opportunity that God wants to do in your life. And what we see here is that there was a church that was planted because of it. Look at verse five. He says this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, this word for partnership is the word koinonia, Uh, This word means this active participation and fellowship and togetherness, right? They were together in this. And he says the first day until now. I imagine that with the Apostle Paul, there must have been memories flooding back in his mind of relationships on that first day of when he met him, right? I think of people in this church the first times that I met that person and who they are today. And and I think in my mind, like, wow, look at what God has done. Look at at the the, the amazing person that, that God is transforming them into. And I imagine the Apostle Paul is thinking the same thing. See, Paul is taking us back to that Acts 16, 6 through 40, reminding us that the gospel had the power to break down cultural barriers, to heal wounds, to soften hardened hearts. See, what we see in Acts 16 is there were three case studies that Luke, the author, was writing here when he starts to break down some of these social barriers in the people that Paul met. We find that Lydia was one of them. Lydia was a successful businesswoman. She... Uh, started to hear the gospel through Paul sharing it, just openly sharing about it. And so what happens is she starts to have this discourse with him and she starts to become attracted to, to, to who Jesus is and the gospel and knowing more about God and becomes a Christian. And she starts to open up her home to be where the church starts. There's a young girl who's abused and enslaved and she has this encounter with Jesus, where basically Jesus' power overcomes all of the deep, dark powers that were controlling her life. And she becomes a follower of of Christ. We see that there's this jailer. As as Paul is thrown into jail, this jailer that he meets is a Roman soldier. He has no background in Christianity. But he sees Paul and he sees his life and he sees that he's a, he's a true believer. He's, he's shown the gospel by the life of Paul. John Stott 
who's a pastor, commentator, talks about this a little bit, and I'm just gonna uh, quote this. It's not gonna be up on the screen, but he says, racially, socially, and psychologically, they were, world, they were worlds apart, talking about these people, and yet all three were changed by the same gospel, and they were welcomed into the same church. Transformed by the same gospel message and brought into the church. What this should tell us is that a church should be made up of people from all different backgrounds, all different cultures. Because the gospel is powerful enough to bring us all together in unity. And Paul has seen that. But it happened through divine intervention. Divine intervention. The second one is pursuing grace. Look at verses six through seven. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And so Paul here is now pointing us to this pursuing grace that happens in the life of the people there and happened in his own life. He says that this grace is, is something that they didn't earn or they didn't deserve or any of those types of things, but that was given to them. Do you know the difference between the gospel? This is a gospel shift. Because for many of us, we think that our relationship with God is earned. How many times did I go to church? Am I cleaning up my life? How many times did I read the Bible and pray? These are the things that make me right with God. But what the Bible tells us is that's actually not what makes you right with God, but a relationship with Jesus Christ, putting your faith in Jesus and not in yourself. That's what makes you right with God. That if you were to stand before God, you wouldn't go through your checklist of all the things that you did this week to be holy, but that God would say, what makes you right with me? And he would say, Jesus Christ. You would be overwhelmed with the grace that God has given you that says, hold on, the gospel message is the cross and what Jesus has done for you and done for me. And that that's what transforms me because yes, he finds me where I'm at. But do you know that the Philippian jailer, that young girl and Lydia were not the same. But that the grace of God was changing them and transforming them in their hearts. Making them new people. And there's a transformation that happens because the Apostle Paul says in verse 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know one of the most discouraging things sometimes is just to, think that you're, to, to look in the mirror and say, why am I still struggling with that same sin? Why am I still going through this? Aren't I past this yet? Will, will I ever get this together? Right, one of the things that's in our culture right now that's so prevalent is pornography. And I've just been reading more and more and more and more about how much damage it does. It, 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 they, as they've done research and studies, it's, 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 it's the root cause of abuse towards women. It's the root cause of divorce and broken families. It's the root cause of commitment issues from men. 
It's the root cause of so many things that are just destroying the fabric of our culture and people. And yet, some of us right now are, are, are just like pulled into it and thinking to ourselves, how many times am I gonna get sucked back into this again? And I just want you to know right now that the, the power of the gospel is strong enough to overcome what the enemy wants to destroy in your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy you personally. But Jesus says, I have come to bring life and bring it to the fullest. And I'm encouraging you right now that there's a, a pursuing grace of God that can transform you, that has the power to transform you, that can make you new. And it's based on him, not on how you can try and clean yourself up. Do you hear me? Because what's your first instinct when you're caught in sin? How do I get this right? How do I clean myself up? How do I figure this out? The gospel says God has figured it out in Jesus and he died for it on the cross. Come to him and let him clean you up. That's the gospel, friends. And as the apostle Paul is looking at these people, he says, I know you're not a finished product yet. I know you're not. I know you're not. You might feel like it's the end, but God's saying, no, there's more. And so I, I'm just encouraging you right now that by the grace of God, he wants to change us, but he also wants he, to unite. His pursuing grace unites. He said, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are per, all partakers with me of grace. See, the apostle Paul is not saying, okay, yeah, you, you need God's grace, but I got it all figured out. We are all united in this. We are all united in this. Right? We're all in the same boat. If you're a Christian, we're all in the same boat in our need for grace. I love that quote from Jerry Bridges. Basically, the paraphrase is this. He says, on your best days, you need the grace of God. On your worst days, you need the grace of God. Why do you think you don't need the grace of God on your best days? Because I got everything rolling right now. I'm doing really well. <laughs> the only way you got there is because of God's grace. Oh, there's, there's no way that God could ever help me or save me or change me. The worst days, he's lifting you up. Right? And so again, we are all united in this. And he emphasizes this in verse 8. He emphasizes the gospel he says, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. See, friends, this is circling back. What is this? This is a shift in our natural mindset. I had a friend recently tell me, he says, our first language is the flesh. Our first language is, how can I fix this? How can I do this? He says, the gospel is a second language. And just like any second language, you got to kind of reorient yourself into it. And so how do you start to preach the gospel to yourself? Because that's what Paul is telling the people here. See, Paul is not concerned about defending and, con and confirming his reputation here. That's not what he's about. He's focused on defending and confirming the gospel message. That was the most important thing for him. And why is the, the gospel so important? 
because it's the heart of everything we believe. It is the heart of everything we believe. Charles Spurgeon once said, the heart of the gospel is redemption and the essence of redemption is the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. That's it. And so for you, where is your heart at on that? Right, is that like, I've heard that before. Or is that something that's like, wow, that's, that's life-changing. It's about Jesus. That's life-changing for me. I need that. Because, as it's been said, the, if the gospel is old news, if the good news is old news, that's dangerous ground. See, the gospel, the, it should be, always be the good news that refreshes our hearts again and again. So is your heart being renewed and refreshed by the gospel of God's grace towards you? The third point, knowing Jesus. Look at verses eight through 11. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and, be, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so first he talks about Jesus' affection. Look at verse eight. For God is my witness how I yearn for all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I want you to think about Paul for a minute. Paul was a hardened Pharisee who was at one time bent on destroying the church. Now he says that he's filled with love for people that were not of his ethnicity. These were Gentiles that he was talking to. And he's looking at them and saying, my heart is filled with love for you. Paul knows that his love is made possible because of Jesus that Jesus has filled his heart. Also, there's an authentic love that's filled his heart. Look at verse nine. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now this knowledge he's talking about in discernment it's not just head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. It's not surface level. Friends, in our society today, we are used to surface level love, aren't we? Surface level relationships. I mean, when you look at your social media feeds and different people, like how many of them do you know and do they really know you? Like really know you? Really have a relationship with you? Sometimes it can be discouraging, right? You think to yourself, man, how many real friends do I have? There's a study done by a woman named Teresa Wiseman. She did a study on what empathy really is. It was compared with sympathy. And she says empathy is different because it's about perspective taking. And so you look at another person and you can see from their perspective. But she also says that it's not immediately judging that person, but reserving judgment. But for many of us, we like to judge first, don't we? 
Like I said, that's, that's our first language. It's the flesh. We just like to. But she says, reserving judgment, recognizing emotion in others, actually looking and seeing that there's something that they're going through. And then the last thing she talks about is rec- uh, communicating that I see you. Communicating that I see you. One expert says that empathy is feeling with people. What I say is, is there's a lot of good from that. There, there's a lot of good points from that. And we got to talk through some of that and really what that looks like. But how does that not be fake? Right? How does that, that not be just another tactic that people use to try and get to what empathy really should be? What the Apostle Paul knows is this. That God is not a distant God that came and said, hey, I see you. But that the God of the universe came and became one of us. How do I know and you know that God understands what you're going through? It's that when we read the Bible that God wasn't a distant God from somewhere else but came and became one of us and said, I'm here walking with you in the flesh. Isaiah says that he was a man of sorrows. And so when we know that the the God that we worship is is a God of sorrows, then he can know that when I'm hurting, he knows what that feels like. And when he looks at us, he doesn't just communicate, I see you, but I feel it too. It's feeling with people. But even more than that, he felt the worst of the worst. And as the Apostle Paul is wrapping this up in verse 11, he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I was thinking about this a lot. And um, when we talk about the glory of God, Many times what, what happens, and I don't know about you, but for me sometimes I read through it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, the glory of God, the glory of God. So you just kind of skip over it, right? You just read, oh yeah, of course, the glory of God. But what does that mean? What, is that, what does that mean? Like to, to, to have, to be filled with the righteousness, of the, of the glory of God, the praise of God. I was talking with my friend Joyce. Last week I preached at my grandmother's church in Hawaii. And she came to the service and she was listening. One of the things I talked about was sin. I said, sin, you know, at the root of sin, it's, it's self-absorption. It's the middle letter. It's I. You know what sin is? It's all about me. She came to me and she's like, Later in the week, she's like, I've been thinking about that. I've been meditating, kind of praying. And she's like, I I just, I was thinking about this. You know, you said that the middle letter was I. But think about this. She's like, you know, God made us to not be self-absorbed, but to serve him and to serve others. And when you change that I to O, it's, it's son. 
And she's like, when your life is about the sun, when, when it's about glorifying God, when God's at the center of your life, your life will be about others and your life will spread to others and, and bring joy because of what God's doing in your life because you're not about yourself anymore. And from that, you have this thankful heart, a praising heart, a, a, a heart that says, I'm finding what my purpose really is. I'm finding what my purpose really is. See, how many of us, we, we say, man, like when I stop thinking about myself and I start thinking about other people, like it just feels like that's right. That's what I was made for. It is. But it's to bring glory to God. It's to give God the credit. Because the only way that I get out of that trap of living for myself and living so that I'm serving others is because God pulled me out of that trap of me. He's given me a new identity. He's given me a new security that I didn't have before. And so just some takeaways as we wrap up this, this passage. The first one is, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, the first one I want to encourage you with this is this. Live in the present. Live in the present. Trusting God is moment by moment. Yes, I know we've got our plans and all these things and we feel like I, I, th this is my 10-year plan, this is my five-year plan, whatever it may be. But the Apostle Paul, his, his five-year, 10-year plan was completely ruined if it were about his plan. But it's about God's plan. And see, Paul didn't plan to plant a church in Philippi, but God had that in the plans for Paul. I tell people all the time, I'm like, I did not see myself as a church planter. I didn't feel like I, that fit me. But it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do. And some of you are feeling like, oh, well, this, I don't feel like, I know you want me to do this, God, but I, I just, I'm too scared right now. I just don't feel like that really fits me or my personality or whatever it might be. I just want you to know that he's got a purpose for you that's much bigger than, than what, you, what you can see. But like live in the present of what he's doing. Uh, Tony Morita, who's a commentator on this text, says, uh, perhaps you're spending too much time trying to plan the next 10 years of your life and not worrying, or, or, or not enough time planning the next 10 days. Don't wait to live your life. Stop worrying about your life plan and, and simply follow Jesus right now. I was sitting down with a student recently. We were talking about like just this city, this community, and how transient it is. It's very transient. And, and why many times relationships only stay on the surface. You know why? It's because people know it's transient and they say, I'm only gonna be here for two years, three years. I'm not really gonna get to know anybody. I'm not really gonna invest my life here. And so we, we walk away and we're just frustrated and we got no deep relationships. Right? Like, invest right now. If you're here for three years, then be here today. Right? Here's what it says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's already prepared some things for you to do. Do you believe that? He's already prepared things for you to do. But you gotta live in the present. You gotta say, God, help me to live in the present right now.
The second takeaway is this, examine the past. Examine the past. Looking back, are there people you feel God providentially placed into your life at crucial times? Do you, do you see people? Do you, do, can you think of people in your life? Maybe this is when you were a child growing up. Maybe this is when you were in middle school, high school, college. Can you think of people that God providentially placed in your life? How did God work through them? Are you thankful for that? Right, maybe that's the reason that you're here today. But are you, are you thinking about and thankful for those people? I'm thankful for my grandmother who prayed day after day after day for me as I was living in my rebellion, <laughs> right? Living my own life, doing, doing all these things that were just about me. And so who are those people? Examine the past. But the third one is lean into providential relationships, and that's right now. See, are there people in your circle of relationships that would say you are someone God providentially placed in their life, that God placed you in their life? It's much bigger than what we can see right now, but there are people that might say you're the person that, that God placed in my life. And so lean into that. What does that look like? Don't waste the time. Third or fourth, uh, walk in step with God. Walk in step with God. Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying uh, one another. You know, I, I never really got that verse 26 for a long time. You know, like, Okay, I get the whole, like, keep in step with the Spirit, but let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. You know what that means? The provoking one another is that you are always comparing your life to other people. You are constantly comparing your life to other people. And so you're trying to make your life better than their life. You're provoking people. But the second one is you're envying others. What does that look like? You're looking at other people's life and wishing that you had their life instead of having your life. And so you're too preoccupied, and not walking in the spirit, not trusting God and what he's doing in your life, but you're looking at other people, envying them and saying, I wish I, I had that life. I wish I were them. I wish I had their gifts, their talents, their skills, whatever it might be, instead of being content with who God made you to be. Walk in step with God. Who has God called you to be? Friends, as we wrap up, here's the gospel. Why should we be thankful? Ultimately because everything we have is a gift. It's a gift. It's been a gift to us from day one. Life, breath, everything we have. Why do we have it? Because God is the giver. Philippians 1-2, he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. May he give you grace and peace. 
Let me ask you, do you have much grace in your life right now? Do you understand the grace of God and what he's done for you? Are you striving and fighting and saying, I got this? Do you have much peace in your life? Are you settled in your spirit? Do you understand that God gave everything and that the God that we relate to, as we think about the gospel, here's the gospel message. It's not that we had to earn our way to him, but that in the greatest gift of all, God came to us. God came to us. He is the gift. He's the one that says, I've done everything to make it possible to, for you to know me. Do we, are we thankful for that? A thankful heart filled with knowing who Jesus is. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you've done. And I pray, Lord, that you will make us new. Many of us are hurting, Lord, are confused or, or, or don't know where to turn. Or we're just not grateful. We're not thankful for life right now. Lord, I pray that you meet us in this place this place of confusion and the place of, of just wandering and you lead us to yourself. You lead us to the greatest gift that you, you are with us, Lord, and that you've made us new through the work of your son, Jesus. Help us to believe, Lord. Help us to trust you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.